Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Father God, we just thank you for all you're doing in these very difficult times. And we thank you we get to open your word here this morning and explore what it means for us in our lives here today in this very difficult situation. So empower us by your spirit, we pray. Amen. My name is Andy. I'm married to Joe with two kids, Eloise and Tilly. Been part of Vineyard for about 18 months now, I think, and it's a real joy to be able to share with you guys this morning. The year was 1888. Alfred Noble was reading a French newspaper and he read his own obituary. He wasn't dead, his brother Ludwig was dead, but he read his own obituary. And the title was this, The Merchant of Death is Dead. Dr. Alfred Noble, who made his fortune by finding a way to kill the most people as ever before in the shortest time possible. He read his own obituary by mistake. The French paper had printed the wrong obituary. And he realised in that moment, Alfred, that he was going to be remembered as the person who invented dynamite and who killed more people in the shortest amount of time than any other human being. Therefore, therefore, before he died, he set up something called the Nobel Peace Prize, which we still celebrate today. In that moment, he chose to be remembered in a different way. I often tell that story and think, one day, if we read our own obituary, how do we want to be remembered? But for this moment and this time, we'll ask the question, when we look back at this time of lockdown, at this time of coronavirus, what do we want to remember? There were some of us right now who are grieving, who have lost loved ones, who are struggling with loss of work, loss of employment. There were some of us who are working crazy hours right now, who are super busy working on the front line. There were some of us who are just desperately bored. We have completed Netflix. And there'll be others who've got kids at home who are thinking, teachers need to get a pay rise. This thing is hard. We're all living in very different circumstances. But we are living through a moment of history. And the question is, how will we remember this time? As an individual, as Vineyard 61, as the Vineyard Church in the UK, as the church in the UK, how will we remember this time? If we could look ahead like Alfred and look back, what will we glean from what we'd experienced during this moment? See, I believe that right now we are in a moment of transition. Things are changing. There is an old reality, a way that we used to do things that has now gone, and there is a new normal on the horizon. But we are living in this moment of transition. And it's unlike any moment previously because we're all globally in this moment, a shared experience. And what happens in times of transition is that people change. Throughout the Bible, we have these different stories who go for these moments of transition. We have Joseph, who's put in prison for so many years, and he goes in quite an arrogant man, but he comes out quite a humble man. 
We have the people of God, the Israelites, as they leave Egypt into the wilderness before they enter the promised land. They're there for 40 years. The people are transformed and changed in this time of transition. I want to share this morning from Daniel chapter 1. See, I believe that Daniel lived in a time of transition. There are some key insights we can get from his story for how we should live our lives in this moment. I'm not sure if you're a fan of the West Wing or not, but normally on West Wing they say, previously on the West Wing. Well, previously in the Bible, before we get to the story of Daniel, what's happened is this. God has created everything. He's chosen a person called Abraham and made a promise, a covenant relationship with him. His grandson, Jacob, gets renamed Israel. They become a great big people group. They go into Egypt. They leave Egypt with Moses. They escape to the promised land. Then there are various kings. There was Saul, David, and Solomon. Then the kingdom is divided between the north and the south. The north gets conquered. And then finally, the south gets conquered as well. And that is where we join the story of Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Asphanaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylonia, this great big empire that was conquering different lands. They were known for being extremely ruthless and violent as they invaded different places. And when they invaded a new territory, they'd often leave the poor and the marginalized behind. They would take the nobles captive and ship them off to Babylonia and see how they could use these people to establish even greater their sense of kingdom. Daniel is taken from Israel. This place that is, is tied to the promises of God. And he knows there are still promises for Jerusalem, but he's taken into this time of transition. He is taken to Babylonia. He knows that one day the Israelites will go back, but this now is a time of transition. And he has a choice to make. How will he live in this time? How will the people of God, the Israelites, live in this time of transition that goes on more than 70 years? The first thing is this. They can celebrate a time of distraction. That rather than remembering who they are before God, they can live in a time of distraction when they choose other things. Imagine being Daniel. You can just forget God. Enjoy the food and the wine from the king's table. Perhaps it's a time to just forget what God had done, just to kind of get on with this new reality and forget the things of the past and forget what, who God is. Things were tough. Let's just take an easy option out. Distracted by the fine things of life. And I guess for us, many of us right now in lockdown, we can get distracted by the fine things of life. 
we can get distracted by cooking nice meals, drinking craft beer and messing around with TikTok. We can get distracted by the things that are all around us rather than pursuing the things of God. Others, perhaps, were just distracted by the past. They were so focused on what happened, they couldn't really see what God was doing in this moment. If you're a Boney M fan, you might want to sing these verses now with me from Psalm 137, verse 1 to 4. I'm not going to sing. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Some of the Israelites could not celebrate who God was, could not remember who God was, because they, it was so linked to the past, they couldn't celebrate it in this moment. They said, how can we sing songs about God when we are living in such a desperate place? They were, in fact, distracted by the past, so focused on the past, they thought, well, how can we worship God if we aren't in Jerusalem? And there can be a sense we can think, well, how can we worship God if we can't gather on a Sunday morning? We can get distracted by the fine things. We can get distracted by the things that are around us. We can get distracted by the past and by what has been. But what is God saying to us in this moment? I love a story about a village in South India. They wanted to catch monkeys. I'm trying to work out what is the best way to catch monkeys. Is it with nets and some big contraption? And what they discovered was this. If you get some coconuts and you tie them to the floor with a stake, and in the coconuts you put some warm rice, and the monkeys go, rice. They go and find the rice. They put their hands into the coconut to grab the rice out. But the hole on top of the coconut is big enough to put the rice in, big enough for the hand to go inside, but not big enough for the clenched fist to come out again. So they're kind of stuck with their hand in this coconut. Now, when the villagers creep up on the monkeys, they can easily escape. All they've got to do is let go of the rice and escape. They're fast monkeys, but they don't. They're so gripping hold of this rice still, they're actually captured. I tell that story because I think perhaps sometimes we are so tightly holding on to things from the past that we can't see what God is doing in this moment. What is it we actually need to let go of, to lay down, to allow God to guide us and work through us in this very challenging time? We can get distracted by the fine things and distracted by the past. It can be a time of distraction, or it can be a time of opportunity. A prophet is somebody who who speaks God's heart in a moment. And Jeremiah was a prophet for the Israelites in this very difficult time. They were taken into this time of transition in captivity in Babylonia. Jeremiah 29 verse 4 to 7 says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In many ways, what Jeremiah was saying was this. 
There is no quick fix. Don't just put your life on hold, waiting for things to go back how they used to be again. But in this moment, see what God is doing. There are these five statements. I found it really helpful to think about these five statements as five questions we can ask ourselves here today. First of all, what can we build? It isn't necessarily about building a house in your garden right now in London. But actually, what can we build in terms of community? What can we build online with other people? How can we purposefully look out for our neighbours at this challenging time? Second of all, what can you plant? What seeds can you plant for future kingdom initiatives? What's already in your hands? How can you invest, as Viv spoke two weeks ago, in investing in your relationship with God in this moment? This is a beautiful time to invest in how you relate to God. There's a great story of a lady uh, in a food bank near here who, in London who, um, who saw so many parcels going out for food banks. She thought, hang on a sec, what if I created a kid's pack to go in every food pack where there's children there? And in this kid's pack are some pens and crayons and some resources to help them plant seeds about who God is is looking for creative way to plant seeds about what might happen in the future third of all marry your housemate now that's not quite right it's about getting married i'm not saying just you know do an impromptu marriage in your house but how can we increase right now i believe the church is growing we're on lockdown we can't gather as we normally gather some say well the church might get smaller in this time but actually i think the church will grow in this time Everything is being shaken. Faith sharing is perhaps easier now than it has been for many, many years because people are asking some bigger questions. What is this all about? Is this what life is is, is all about? Is is this it? Is there more to life than this? We have an opportunity to speak God's truth and God's love in these very challenging times. There's an openness to the Bible because we are looking for something to hold on to in our culture and the Bible contains this ancient wisdom that speaks into our lives today. How can we seek the peace and prosperity of the city? It's been phrased, been buzzing around my head quite a lot. People remember who helped them out in a crisis. We are going through a crisis How can we as the church help others out? How can we seek the peace and prosperity of the city? It's about helping with chaplaincy or or helping people work through grief. We have a role as a church in rebuilding this city after this thing as well. And finally, how will you pray? It's just a great story from Wales where this lady, she um, posted by all of her neighbours' homes a little note saying, I'm going to pray at three o'clock today outside my house, all distancing ourselves out. If you want to join me, step outside your house at three o'clock and I'll pray. Her entire street stepped out of their homes and she led them in one like short four-minute prayer that all said amen and went back home again. We have an opportunity to pray, to pray corporately in these kind of very special, sacred moments, but also to pray on our own, to, pr- to pray in our homes. Let's not miss the opportunity to pray and to seek God in this time. The amazing thing is that Daniel is not distracted. It continues, Daniel 1, verse 6 to 8. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, great name. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach, 
and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. What's interesting is that during this time of transition is Daniel is shaped by what is happening. He changes his name. And the name Belteshazzar means Baal is Lord. And yet he was somehow willing to adopt this name in some way. They learned the culture, the, the languages, the customs of Babylonia. I guess the equivalent days we are learning how to work Zoom. He learned how to actually work and how to serve this, this empire that was not his kingdom. He actually got involved in serving it. And then in verse 8, we have this line, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. The idea of resolve is a sense of a, having a premeditated thought. He made a decision. This was not a place where he was going to compromise. What are the things that can change in lockdown? But what are the things that cannot change in lockdown? For Daniel, in this time of transition, he remembered the laws of Leviticus, which were so relevant for them as the Israelites. And it reminds him again of who God was, and ultimately who he was as a child of God. What is it that we need to hold on to tightly in this time? Our true identity, that we aren't defined by circumstance, but we're defined by who God says I am. What I love about this, this passage in Daniel 1 is this. We often teach about Daniel and these amazing things. This cool dream interpretation. His friends refusing to bow down to a statue. And then they're thrown into a fire, but they don't burn up. Or Daniel, when he is thrown into the lion's den and the lions don't eat him. Some incredible stories. But it starts with this very simple, small thing of saying, I won't eat what's given from the king's table. Something you can't see. A sense of conviction. And the danger is we often think, well, when lockdown finishes, then I can finally get on with the things of God. When lockdown finishes, I can return to things as normal. But here's the thing. I believe we can do something big for God, not just in the future, but right here and right now. If you want to shape the future, look for the opportunity that there are in this moment. And it isn't about doing everything. It's about saying, what are the one or two things that God is calling you to do in this moment? Perhaps it's about getting alongside that person who's grieving. Perhaps it's about being a non-anxious presence as you go about your shopping. Maybe it's about being overly generous and caring for those around you. Perhaps it's calling or texting or encouraging somebody regularly. When we look back at this time, later in our lives, this strange days that we're living through, will we have seen a time of distraction? Or will we have seen a time of opportunity in which we saw God move? Daniel 1 continues, verses 9 to 21. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king will then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. 
At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the God took away their choice food and the wine they were given and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding by which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. There is a big overhanging question in Daniel 1. The question, where is God? Where is God in all of this? I mean, just imagine being the Israelites in Daniel 1, verses 1 to 3. Jerusalem, their capital city, has been taken. The temple, where they believed God dwelt, had been ransacked. The holy articles have been shipped off to Babylon. The nation is dispersed. They've been uprooted from the land that was promised to Abraham. And the question, well, where is God? And I guess we watch our news feeds, we can ask the same question, where is God amongst all this? Where is God in these headlines of, of death and these, these headlines of tragedy? Where is God? And what's beautiful about Daniel 1 is this, is that as Daniel steps out, as Daniel takes the opportunities that are there, we discover that God is at work. In verse 9, God had caused. In verse 15, they looked healthier. In verse 17, to these four young men God gave. In verse 19, the king found none equal. I used to hate, as a kid, going to see pantomimes. I don't know if any of you had a similar kind of thing, but what used to really frustrate me was this. is A character would often say, where is the bad person? And the entire audience would shout out, behind you, behind you. And they'd kind of turn around and go, oh, not there. Oh, not there. And it would really frustrate me as the person would kind of nip on behind the scenes like, hello, here I am, really. God is actually at work behind the scenes, even in this difficult time for the Israelites. And God is at work in this moment. God comes through for Daniel and he positions him in a key place for the future of the story of what God is doing. God is at work in these difficult times. This painting called Come to Me from Helen Yousaf, I think it's a beautiful painting because it, it paints where God is. God is giving us a sense of his presence even amongst the difficult and the hard times. That picture of him washing the feet of a nurse. God is at work. Don't be distracted by the good life. Don't be distracted by the past, but take this opportunity to see what God is doing and to shape the future. What can we build? What can we plant? How can we increase? How can we seek the peace and prosperity of the city? And how will we pray? My final thing is this. I've been reading a book again recently by Rodney Stark called The Rise of Christianity. And it charts how the Christian faith grew from being some tiny little group of people to being suddenly the whole of the Roman Empire. Rodney Stark wasn't a Christian as he began doing this research. And what he discovered, and he writes back in chapter four, is this. 
there were two major pandemics during the early Roman Empire. Way worse than we have today. Many, many, many people died. But at this time, the church grew. Why? Three reasons. First of all, they loved one another. and They took that seriously. They loved even the women and the children. They loved one another. How do we love one another at this time? Second of all, they welcomed other people in. They built community. They allowed others to join their community. And thirdly and lastly this, they had a bigger story of hope. They understood how history would one day end. They knew that there was a bigger thing unfolding. And they were just living through a moment of this much larger story. Daniel had this hope. He knew the promises of God. In this time of transition, the Israelites took it as a time of opportunity. And we have this hope here today. The promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. In this time of transition, there is an opportunity as we are changed and transformed. If we were to look back like Alfred many years ahead at what happened in this time, will we have just been distracted? Or will we have seen and seized the opportunities to partner with God? Let's pray. Father, right now, we can ask the question, where are you? But we thank you that you are at work in amongst the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the despair and the lockdown. You are at work. Father God, we thank you that we haven't got to be distracted by things. Help us not to live a life of distraction. Thinking just about the past or about how we can amuse ourselves. But help us to seize the opportunities we have today. Help us to imagine what can be, what could be, even in this moment. Help us to plant seeds, to build community, to increase, to seek the, the prosperity of this city. And help us to be a people of prayer. That one day as we look back, we can see that even in this difficult time, you moved because we opened up our hands and said, God, here's what we have. Use us for your purposes, your plans, we pray. We surrender our lives afresh to you. We let go of our clenched handfuls of rice and say, God, use us. Now we pray. Holy Spirit, guide us. Lead us. Enable us to be your people in this moment. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.